All right. We're going to pick up in 1 John verse 15 this morning. And uh, just to back up a, a little bit, the, the scholars tell us that John the Beloved, who was the sons of Zebedee, one of the first people Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He, he wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, around 90 A.D. Uh, around 95 A.D., he wrote the book of Revelation. And about 98 A.D., he wrote the gospel. So, although we have, <clears throat> chronologically, we have the gospel before we have the epistles, the epistles were written first. And in just going through the lesson to this week, I, I said, you know, when John talked about some stuff, he said, you know, I got more to say. I need to, uh, I'm, I need to, um, to write some more. And so he wrote the book of, of John, as we know, is the gospel. So he starts off here in, in verse, verse uh, 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We stop and think a minute, and he says, well, this same guy later on said, said, um, for God so loved the world. What's the deal? <laughs> Here he's saying, don't love the world, the things in the world. And uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, through the years, I've been blessed to sit at the feet of some smart people. And our home church was located about an hour north of New Orleans, and it was, we had a, our church had a great relationship with the seminary, and we had professors coming up and teaching us uh, along, along the way, and we didn't have any restaurants in our little town. We didn't have any hotels in our little town. So they wound up at Velta's Kitchen and Art's bedroom. <laughs> so uh, we, we were fortunate to, to have these guys, and I loved them. I, I just loved to sit around the kitchen table and listen to what they, what they were saying. <clears throat> and one of those guys was Ray Robbins. And Dr. Robbins taught New Testament down there, and in one of his teachings, he, he told us, he said, words don't have meaning. They have usage. So let me illustrate that a little bit with a thing that happened just this week at our house. Our dear friends in, in Greenville, uh, uh, Sam's going through some medical issues, and uh, so I text him. And I said, how are you, and how did the test go, and so forth and so on. And, he wrote me back, and this is, this is what he said. I'm doing great. Stress test went well. So I said, well, fantastic. In fact, that's what I, I texted him back. I says, great news. And then Velta was talking to his wife yesterday. He says, 
We don't have the results of his test yet. <laughs> Words don't have meaning, they have usage. For, the, for the, all the most of my adult life, when you said receptacle to me, it was an outlet on the wall that you plugged in and got 120 volts. If you were talking to a middle school principal, a receptacle was a trash can. So in this particular case, he's saying the world and the world system, you don't, you don't need to deal with. And, and lately, we've talked about a biblical worldview. And that's what John says here. He, he didn't say it in those words, but he said, don't love this world system. Because if you love this world system, you don't love the Father. And then he goes on, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Lust of the flesh. It's all about me. Whenever I get to do some, some marriage counseling to young men, I come back to the fact, and I always tell his future wife that we men are very, very selfish. If you'll be honest, you'll shake your head. <laughs> Very selfish. We want what we want when we want it. And it starts with me, myself, and I. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is a craving that leads to covetousness and envy. One of the commandments we have, don't covet. Uh, this day and time we do a lot of hard comparison we don't call it coveting we call it I'm comparing <laughs> and we get in trouble when we do this our house our car our spouse our family our jobs our clothes our church it just isn't anymore the lust of the eyes can be a symbol of success, titles, positions, degrees. The lust of the eyes sudden makes us desperately need for something we never knew or didn't have. I'm reading from Chuck Swindoll. Another thing about this is that the lust of the eyes, you can't unsee stuff. porn you can't unsee it I'm leading a group of senior boys and we've been touching on this we've been touching on this it's not real the lust of the eyes and then John says the boastful pride of life 
the arrogant words, the prideful claims, the exaggerated tales that make us look greater than we are. More times than not, at the cost of tearing somebody else down. Boy, that one little verse right there, as Art says, a good preacher could make three or four sermons out of that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Verse 17 says, But the world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God is forever. I've said it before, you know, we talked when we talked about heaven, we're so anchored to this earth and what we have, we don't think about forever. We don't think about what's going to pass. However, some of you should, because you've got more time behind you than you've got in front of you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Verse 18. Children, it's the last hour. And just as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know it is the last hour. If John wrote this around... 90 AD, and here we are at 2023. It's been over 2,000 years since he wrote that. And they were expecting the Antichrist then, the tribulation, the Lord's coming back. Peter tells us that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. We have no idea when the Lord's coming back, but we don't hear that preached too much anymore. One thing I think we've, we're lacking is we, we miss the urgency of the gospel. We need, miss the urgency that everybody needs to know who Jesus is and that he's coming back. Our Bible is true. It's the only truth that we have. It's, it's the only truth. It's ridiculous what we have that people are calling and giving to you as the truth. And you need to question these things. This week, a group of scientists, I use the term vaguely, I'm, I'm not one, but I wonder about these guys. They found, they call it a radio wave from nine billion light years ago. The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. Now, if you've got a computer big enough to multiply that times 9 billion times 365 days, that's ridiculous for anybody to even espouse that. But it espouses being the truth. If there's anything you need to know today, 
You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Because there's all kind of stuff and the devil is a shrewd dude. He tells some things and he wraps it up in a dressing and if you're not discerning, if you're not on your game, you'll fall for it. Verse 19, he says, they went out from us for they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that they would be shown that they are not of us. Let me read you what Swindon says. He says, their departure makes it clear that they are not of us. Commenting on the verse, John Calvin wrote, they who fall away had never been thoroughly embedded with the knowledge of Christ, but had only a light and a transient state of it. The Lord talked about this in the parable of the sower. He says, I'm not talking about Christians who entertain doubts, backslide into sin, or even stray from the right path for a season. Larry the cable guy. John's definition of Antichrist with a S is much more pronounced and radical than the normal struggles of faith experienced by all believers. The ups and downs of our process of sanctification. Larry talked about that. Antichrist of guilty of outright heresy. Heresy in the sense is defined as conscious, willful departure from the faith of the foundational tenets. And he names them, such as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Christ's deity, his humanity, his atoning death, his resurrection, and so forth. Heretics, by definition, are not Christians. So he says, these people have fallen away. Verse 20, but, we've talked about that little conjunction many, many times, but you have an anointing from the Holy One that you all know. And that's one of my flashbacks in my mind. I have no idea how the Holy Spirit led John to write the gospel. But he wrote this and he said, you know, I need to tell them more about that. Because outside of John's gospel, we don't know a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit outside of what happened at Pentecost. <clears throat> so he says, but you have anointing from the Holy Spirit. And you all know. 
I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do, do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Back in verse 19, he says, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and we're still, you know, the Antichrist is coming. But there, there are people now that are anti-Christ. Many of them. Many of them. Well, we have a, a couple that I'm going to talk about this morning. <clears throat> Our friends, the Jehovah's Witness. I think they've moved from where they are on Hubbard. Haven't they moved somewhere else? They're down on 200? Is that, is that right? Anyway, this is from their website. This, so I'm quoting, I'm quoting them. He says here, talking about heaven, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, and the faithful angels reside in the spirit realm. A small number of people, 144,000, will be resurrected to life in heaven to rule with Jesus in his kingdom. Just 144,000? If I was going to that church, I'd, I'd wonder if I was a, among the group. Heaven. Also in this week's news, David Crosby died. You know who David Crosby is if you're a rocker? <laughs> they tell me he played a pretty good guitar. I don't know. He died at 81. The day before he died, he died on Wednesday, I believe. The day before he died, he tweeted this. Heaven. I heard the place is overrated. Cloudy. His, treat, his tweet was in response to somebody who said, can we go to heaven with tattoos? Sure, you can go to heaven with tattoos. But for... Crosby to say heaven is overrated I wonder what a response would be today <laughs> heaven is overrated death this is what the Jehovah's Witness say about death people who die pass out of existence they do not suffer a fiery hell of torment In 2014, Ron Reagan, who was the son of President Reagan and his second wife, Nancy, made a commercial for Freedom From Religion Foundation. In it, he said, 
he declared himself an unabashed atheist who is not afraid of burning in hell. That commercial appeared on 60 Minutes Sunday. I'm not afraid to burn from hell. Yeah, he very well may. Okay, let's go a little bit further what the people on Jehovah's Witness say. About the Bible, they say we accept the entire Bible, but we are not fundamentalists. We recognize the parts of the Bible that are written in figuratively and symbolic language are not to be understood literally. And they have their own translation of Scripture. Jesus. We follow the teaching and example of Jesus Christ and honor him as our Savior, as the Son of God. Thus, we are Christians. However, we have learned from the Bible that Jesus is not Almighty God and that there is no scriptural basis for the doctrine of the Trinity. So all clothed up in their fancy words, what does that tell you about them? According to John 1.22 or 2.22. They're Antichrist. But in first reading, you know, we recognize Jesus is God's son. And then in fine print, so to speak, but there's no scriptural basis for the Trinity. The other one that we come across, we call them Mormons, but they are rebranding themselves. They are now LDS or Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints. This is from their website. The founder of the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, Joseph Smith, the fundamental religion uh, principles of our religion concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven, and all other things which pertain to our religion and other only appendages. And then he has three points here. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and the Son of our loving Heavenly Father. Christ's atonement allows humankind to be saved from their sins and return to, the, to live with God and their families forever. Christ's original church, as described in the New Testament, has been restored in modern times. So they take these three points and they broaden them. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and the Son of our loving God. <laughs> now when you get to the fine print, he says, Heavenly Father, His Son, Jesus, are two separate beings along with the Holy Spirit. One in will, purpose, and love. 
But before that, he says, they believe in God, sent his son Jesus Christ to save humankind from their sins. God is a loving heavenly father who knows his children individually, hears and answers their prayers and feels compassion for them. I don't have any argument with that. But what happened? They continued and they said, well, the heavenly father and his son are two separate beings along with the Holy Ghost. There's one will in love. What has that just said? They also have denied the Trinity. What bucket did you put them in according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 22? They're anti-Christ. Their second point is Christ's atonement allows for humankind to be saved from their sins and return to live with God and their families forever. Art talked in depth last week about, about atonement. John calls it propitiation, which is the atoning sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross for our sins. Hebrews tells us, and we might get to that in a minute, but but remember, atonement uh, is Christ's atoning sacrifice. But now listen to what, he, what the Latter-day Saints say. Latter-day Saints believe that God has a plan for his children to return to live with him and become joint heirs in Christ. For members of the church, Jesus Christ's sacrifice is central to the plan for our happiness. <clears throat> no problems. Although humans make mistakes in sin, Latter-day Saints view this mortal life as an opportunity to progress and learn by following Christ's teaching, embracing his mercy, accepting salvation and, excuse me, baptism and other sacraments, Latter-day Saints believe that they are cleansed from their sin through Christ's grace and can return to live with God and their family forever. In what I read there, where is atonement? Where did he say that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died for our sins, and the only way we can be saved is appropriate his righteousness not that of our own. But what they say, by following Christ's teaching, embracing his mercy, accepting his baptism, we believe that they are cleansed from our sins. Christ's grace can return to live with God and their families forever. There's no atonement in their statement, although they say it is. Be careful of who you're listening to and know what your response needs to be. The rest of these says, he says, Christ's origin uh, church as described in the New Testament has been restored in modern times. Church members understand that families are the most important unit of their society. Accordingly, those who follow Christ and keep his commandments are promised that they will live with their families forever in divinely instituted eternal relationships. <laughs> Ancestry.com 
It's not owned by the Mormons, but they are very much involved with it. Do the ancestry spit test to keep the families together and find out the closet that you have, the people in the closet. <clears throat> they don't own it, but they're highly, highly tied to it. This is what they say about the Trinity. The Latter-day States mostly, most commonly use the term Godhead when it refers to the Trinity. The first article of faith for the Latter-day Saints reads, we believe in God, the Eternal Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Latter-day Saints believe that God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are separate identities, but one in will and purpose not literally the same as being substantive as conception of the Holy Trinity. Well, that made me start looking at the Trinity. Last week, <clears throat> Art told you about John Grudem's and his, his, uh, his podcast. They, they say a lot about the Bible, but when you get there, they put the Bible to the side and pick up the, put the uh, Book of Norman, Mormon. Uh, I went to John Grudem, this website that Art posted, Velta sent you. It's tremendous. He's got four teachings of an hour long just on the Trinity. And he, uh, it's chapter 14 in that big, thick book. Uh, <clears throat> God in three persons, the Trinity, and he's got an outline here. And I've printed a couple of copies if you want them. They're behind me here. But he says, he says it's all through Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere. And he gives a title to what these two cults call. It's subordinationism held that the son was eternal and divine but not equal to the father in being or attributes but the trinity God's trinity is divided into three parts equally belonging to three members of the trinity the trinity are not something added to God's real person the Trinity are not three different ways of looking at one being of God. They're three di different persons being each person is equal in whole with God. All right, I, I want to run a little scripture. If you will, uh, let's see if I can get my notes back here. Uh, let's, let's look at a little scripture here. It's look. It's beginning with, with. Uh, it's not exhaustive yet. Doctor Gruden, you know, he's he really goes into it. But let's look at uh, Genesis one. Uh, you can't get 
you can't get any further in the Old Testament than Genesis 1. <clears throat> but <clears throat> in Genesis 1, 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Again, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image. Us, the triune God. One of my favorite scriptures is in Luke 10. Go to Luke chapter 10. This is when Jesus was sitting, sending the disciples out two by two. And it's just real quick. Uh, and if you, if you miss it, <laughs> it's uh, real, real quickly. Luke chapter 10, let's look at verse 17. Everybody with me? Okay. Verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. He said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He's not part of the Trinity. And yet he was in heaven with God when he saw Satan fall like lightning. I mean, you could miss that if you read it in a hurry. He goes on, on to say, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, <clears throat> do not rejoice in this, that your spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Okay, over a little bit more to the left, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the first chapter. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but this is what he said in the first four verses of the book. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, upholding all things by the word of his power. And when he made purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
God was, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus was God's son in every respect. Let's go back now to Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. Beginning in verse 13. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But God tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it at this time. For it is this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he per permitted him. Verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the spirits of heaven were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We have all three elements of the Trinity here. Jesus was being baptized. God says he's my son and I'm proud of him. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove was lighting on him. Hebrews, uh, John 1 the Gospel of John. We just went through this um, a few months ago. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus, in every sense of the word, is God. In the Old Testament, God spoke. And he called the shots. As Galatians says, in the fullness of time, he sent forth his son, Jesus. John told us, John told us that the only way to come to the Father is through him through him. 
John also told us that I must go back to the Father. But when I go back to the Father, I will send the Comforter, the Paraclete, one who walks alongside the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So, very much, very much the Trinity. That these two Antichrist people that we would meet on a regular basis deny. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Okay. Back to 1 John chapter 2. Let's look at verse 24 and we'll, we'll go. Oh, me. All right. <clears throat> Verse 24, for as for you, let it abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you and you will abide in the Son and in the Father. Go back to chapter 1 of this little short, the very first verse of chapter 1, John 1. What you've heard from the beginning, what we heard, what we have seen, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at, what we've touched with our hands concerning life. And the life was manifest, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What was from the beginning. <laughs> we said when we taught this scripture a few weeks ago, be careful of a new thing. Be careful of a new thing. Our Mormon friends want to say that this, this is okay, but it's, it's not new enough. Be careful. Be careful. Well, there's a lot rolled up in that. Put your thinking cap on, and when you see a news article and when you hear somebody talking to you, don't take it in blind faith, for goodness sake. Let it make sense. Nine billion light years? It's ridiculous. Lights travel at 186,000 miles a second? Radio, they call it radio waves. I just think they got a bad receiver. <laughs> but anyway, be that as it may. All right, we'll pick up in chapter 3 next week, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that the word is true. We thank you that we've got enough sense to know who the Antichrist are. And Father, give us courage of our conviction to stand up and testify what we know to be true. We thank you for loving us and being with us and be with the further service. Be with everything said, done, sung, prayed, preached. Bring honor and glory to yourself, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.